is up, Flight Suit Friday listeners? How's everybody doing out there? It's your host, Nick Litchfield. I've got Max Cherno with me and Rob Minio. Oh, yeah. Welcome, everybody. Oh, buddy. How you guys doing? Well, better now. Doing A lot better now. Man. Same. Yeah. Oh, Same. Hitting the spot right there. What do y'all got over there? You know what? I brought over some fat tire ale. I picked this beer out because of the uh, the mantra it has: high quality, low impact. Nice, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the bicycle on there, the mountain, the rising sun, or it's, know, it's midday sun. It's not too bad. Yeah, five point two percent. You know what? You know what comes to mind when when I drink this? Crushable. Very crushable. Yeah. Very crushable. Well, with the uh, the heat index being what it has been lately, I think. Soup. That's kind of what you want. Yeah, yeah you got to wait till the sun goes down to really take on those heavier beers. Yeah, so, good daytime one. No it's not kidding. flannel weather. Yeah, not yet by any means. Not yet. We got no. a couple months. What do you What do you got over there? Um, this right here is a little uh, Fairhope Brewing Company. Cheap sunglasses, gold nail. I, I think, think I've had it before. It's another good, good yeah, name. It's, it's not too bad. I did some research. Four point two percent. I think not Kenny approved. No, no, that's oh, just about I NA. I Unfortunately, mean, uh, actually, I researched it and then I told Max to hand me the one that's one percent higher. By researching it, <laughs> oh. he, he looked at it and told me, "No, get the other one out of the cooler." Yeah, that's great. Yeah, see, so, you know, you gotta inform yourselves. Do your research. I know. I should have. You guys asked if I wanted anything specific. I said no. I get what I get. No complaints. Yeah. Whatever. Um, so we have a, a little bit more of a unique uh, episode this week. We have been kicked out of the podcast recording studio, so some of the command members can take their command photos and such. I'd like to think we um, were invited out of there. Get out of my house. Maybe, right? Politely. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Chuck said, hey, I got everything packed. Come grab it if you want. And now we're on location in a sitting room. So apologies for any echoes that might be out there right now. But, however, uh, we do have a couple moving blankets set up to try to soften them echoes a little bit. Yeah, we'll get those pictures posted. We will. So all our faithful followers can watch our Insta. Just some insight, we are in Nick Litchfield's house. He bought this house specifically for the podcast. So. Yeah, his man cave is fantastic. Okay. It's a podcasting studio. It's a podcasting It's called house. a sitting room, but it's a podcasting yeah, that's studio. that's what it is. Um, Max, welcome, dude. Oh, man, it is great to be here. Thanks for having you me. You know, you did such a good job on the last episode with your interview that we decided to welcome you back full time. You know, you'd think I'd be interviewing for a job in the C-suite of like a big multi-million dollar <laughs> company with the way you guys run it. So I'm glad I passed the bar. I like that we set that vibe. That's a, you know, you guys yeah. set the bar pretty high. It's kind of like an AC board where it's like. Oh, this is, that was nothing compared to the hey, interview. Like, I know you guys need pilots, so you're probably going to pass me. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? I pass you, I have an extra duty or two. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, I'm, I'm in the Home Depot parking lot sweating in the Lane Cruiser while you guys are doing this. Dude, I know you were sweating oh, too. I, I could sweating. hear it in the, your voice. The air conditioner busted. And just to be clear, I'm kidding about the AC boards. Those <laughs> are not <laughs> give me. Please take yeah. those seriously. Uh, yeah, seriously. Um, awesome, guys. Well, it's great to be back. This is the, the new team for now. We're going to welcome in a couple other folks who might want to jump on the podcast as these things continue to flow every two weeks or so. Roll into some highlights. Yeah, let's go into some highlights here. Bring it. Awesome. All right. I have a great highlight from Air Station Miami. Um, you guys have read through it. and yeah, wild. Uh, Quite a wild little case there. This is, this is crazy. It's a little bit of a, a longer read here, guys, but um, Air Station Miami 
on uh, the 17th of June, basically performed a medevac in the Bahamas and brought back a seriously critically injured patient to receive a higher level of care. Um, Big shout out to Lieutenant Commander Zach Gross, the PIC, uh, Lieutenant Landon Kloppenstein, uh, one of our more recent graduates from the designation course. He was the co-pilot. Matt Gillette, the flight mechanic, and Reese Williams, the rescue swimmer. Uh, You guys did awesome. Like talking about crew resource management and uh, working together as a team to accomplish basically a a long range mission in the MH65 Echo with fuel considerations and basically just distance over water. Super, super cool case. So I'll tell you guys a little bit about this. On the 17th of June at approximately uh, 1130 p.m., uh, the crew is notified about launching on a medevac in the Bahamas. Approximately one hour later, they got a call to launch on uh, the medevac 100 miles east of West Palm Beach and 50 miles north of Freeport. Uh, Freeport's just one of those smaller islands in the chain there. Uh, The information was passed that there was a 23-year-old female who suffered wounds to her head and body due to a fall after crashing off her scooter down a cliff. Uh, She was unconscious at the time, so they're expecting the worst as a crew. Um, they launched from Opalaka and headed to Palm Beach International to refuel for a flight offshore. And at approximately 1.50 a.m. on uh, June 17th, they left uh, Palm Beach International to head 100 miles offshore to the Bahamas. Uh, they are informed that there was a landing zone, but no lighting on the island. So there's a few people on the island that would circle uh, basically a makeshift LZ with their vehicles and golf carts and turn on their headlights to illuminate the landing area. So that's Ooh, pretty cool. That's yeah. wild. Right. So once they were on deck, they realized that they're going to be pretty short on fuel. So they ended up shutting down the aircraft because they had two minutes until bingo. Uh, Once they were shut down, the rescue swimmer and flight mech basically departed the aircraft, went to go assess the scene and assess the patient. Fortunately for the rescue swimmer, who's obviously EMT qualified, the flight mechanic was previously EMT advanced qualified. So a huge help as far as like assessing injuries and stabilizing the patient Um, as an EMT advanced you're basically one step below a paramedic at that point. Oh, wow. So you're pretty well qualified, yeah, I think, that's right? Wild. Yeah, considerable training. Um, so they basically applied a, a C-spine in a C-collar, did a great job of basically controlling the bleeding, and they also worked really, really hard to basically get her breathing under control because it was like fast, rapid breathing. They noticed that her like mouth was full of kind of coagulated blood, and so they couldn't intubate her, so they did their best uh, with, with the airway that they could hold. Um, on a side note, the PIC, Zach Gross, departed the aircraft as well because it was shut down at this point and basically collected the patient's passport, cell phone, any other documents so they could have a little bit more of a thorough pass down once, once they brought her back to the States. And the co-pilot also jumped out and helped with uh, C-spine and uh, basically bringing the rescue litter to the patient as well. So everybody had a little piece there. Yeah. They eventually departed and uh, had kind of a fuel decision to either go back to the airport or to the hospital. They elected to go to the hospital because they were able to and give this patient basically more of a fighting chance with a higher level of care. I think that, and of course, this is a super summarized version of what the case was all about and really just a highlight, but I think it'd be great to have them on the podcast and all crew, like the crew of Ford, basically give us their firsthand account of what happened. God, because I would, I would love, love to, to chat that. about this. It but, sounds yeah. That's uh, when when you think about it with more of our you know simpler cases, like it's a team effort to get out there. 
And, but generally once you're on scene and you, know, you do the assessment, figuring out how to put a swimmer down, um, you know, they're managing pretty much most of it from, you know, the point of contact when they're on a vessel or, or like, you know, land until you, you know, they package up the survivor and get them in the aircraft. But this one was everyone having to take a piece yeah. of, yeah. uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the entire case, like in a remote area, like fortunately you had people out there that were able to set up an LZ for them. Yeah. And, and um, just to chat about all the decision gates too, like, yeah. And it was at night, you know, like one in the morning dark, yeah. like, man, this is, this would be great to have these folks on and, and chat. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, especially considering like, you know, the extent of those injuries, like, you know, we, we get an emergency, like, oh, we have to get this patient like on and going, but really that made a lot of sense in the moment, like two minutes to bingo, like we're going to have to trade some off to like, you know, really understand, stabilize uh, her, shut the aircraft down and make sure like, you know, that was great thinking to get the passport and all that information. Cause it, I mean, medical care is one thing, but also if you can, you know, concurrently like get that to make it easier on the medical side and yeah, exactly. Um, These are the kind of cases that, that come up as aircraft commander um, board questions for sure. That's a great point. Yeah. Like this is yeah. something, you know, that whole crew is going to like, this story is probably going to spread and you'll see this come up in board questions or at least part of it. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't heard of a SAR case like this where like everybody and you know, outside of the normal crew resource management where people are doing their normal duties, like everybody had a part doing duties that aren't normally theirs. You know what I mean? Which was kind of cool to hear. It's great. Yeah. Um, kind of old timey where it's like, before rescue swimmers and all that stuff, like the co-pilot would like crawl in the back of the aircraft and get hoisted down and help out the flight mech or whatever. Um, not quite to that extent, but you know, I mean, kind of similar, right? You know, uh, playing an active role in, in a duty that they did not expect when they woke yeah. up that morning, they didn't expect to be like, Hey, I'm going to go launch to this and help stabilize a patient and carry them back to the aircraft yeah. and hold C-spine and all that no, stuff. That, that was a fun read. That email has just, yeah, that's awesome. For, for sure. So, yeah. um, guys, uh, crew, uh, over in, um, in Miami, We'd love to have you guys on the podcast to talk about it uh, a little bit more thoroughly. And um, of course, you guys provided us with some cool imagery and awesome write-ups, super detailed. So um, thanks for that and uh, super, super great case. A little bit of news in the fleet. Not really a whole lot going on since the last time... um you know, we put some news out here, but uh, for all you Echo pilots out there, we're about one step closer to getting Revision 1 out to the fleet. Uh, just hit our desk over in the stand cube. We'll be giving that an overlook and reviewing it before we uh, send it back up to uh, the pubs division. Um, but TBD on the release, but there is a forward progression with it, getting a little bit closer to the goal line. So that being said, we'll go into our case for this week. <laughs> Hey, G, what's up, man? Hey, how much, Nick? Hey, welcome to the Flight Suit Friday podcast. Um, oh, glad to be here. Yeah, man, super happy. And uh, you know what? This was your idea, so yeah. this worked out really, really well. Uh, for everybody out there, I was speaking with Nate Gallagher, who we have on the line here. And uh, Nate, I'll let you introduce yourself in just a minute. But um, you're like, hey, uh, you know, Max and I had this really interesting case where uh, it was a little bit unusual, uh, maybe Max's first AC duty. And um, you're like, hey, that'd be a really cool case to talk about. And absolutely, because it was a little bit abnormal and um, you guys thought it was going to be something other than it turned out to be. So um, the truth. Nate G, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, man. All right. So uh, Nate Gallagher, a lieutenant. Um, 
I'm a DCA. I did uh, about nine, nine and a half years over in the Army, and then uh, DCA'd over into the Coast Guard, and um, done four and a half years at Savannah. Now, just a PCS this summer down here at ATC Mobile. Man, we got a we got a Savannah squad on the podcast right now, don't we? Some Savannah alums. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. We, we got to add a little bit more, uh, you know, outside talent. Know. We'll get there. It's it's probably fairly obvious that we're throwing softballs right now. Yeah, like yeah we are chatting with the folks closest to yeah. our inner circle. Yeah. But Nate G, we're super pumped to have you, man. Like when I when I saw you check in the other day, I was just I was just pumped to see your face. And dude, you're gonna be awesome addition to uh, yeah, glad glad to be the here. 65 division. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. Uh, well, Max, if you want to kick it off, man, you can tell us about your star case and like maybe the challenges that you guys faced and um, maybe we could talk about warranted risk yeah, or something like course, that. Too. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that we just talked about aircraft commander board questions, right? Just in the last thing, because this is definitely something that I will definitely be talking about in future aircraft commander boards. Um, Nate, jump in if I'm saying anything incorrect or you have anything to add, but I'll throw it to you here in a little bit. All right. Uh, call came in for a medevac um, of a patient who... Um, apparently overdosed. Um, I think initial reports were pretty sketchy. It was, um, this individual had fallen off the vessel, um, and hit their head and was recovered offshore. Um, they had lost consciousness, um, at an unknown time. That's probably why they fell off the vessel and they were, uh, in and out of consciousness after his, um, crew pulled him back on the boat. Um, that's pretty much what we got straight off the bat. Yeah, they even said they did CPR on him to get him back. Right. I remember that being part of it. Yep. So they, so he ended up in the water, hit his head or whatever. They yep. pulled him out, did CPR, and now this guy's supposedly recovered. Yeah, and 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 yeah, this is um, the information came in sporadically. So like, okay. we, we were hearing up different times. So uh, turned out to be about um, seventy or eighty miles from Savannah. It was offshore, but if you guys look at a map, the east coast of you know the United States kind of jogs to the east, so that it was about forty to fifty miles offshore of Charleston. Okay, but we were launching out of Savannah, so of course, uh, like any other difficult case you do, we have weather to deal with because there's pop up thunderstorms all over offshore. So Nate G and I, you know, we took our time, did some flight planning, you know, watched the cells and everything, um, got approved from ops, launched out of Savannah. With that information, you know, and, and the weather was good enough where we're like, hey, you know, we, we can get offshore safely and we can get back to shore safely. We feel comfortable with leaving with, you know, with the information that we had. So uh, while we were in route dodging thunderstorms, Sector would, would call back to us and say, you know, give us updates on the case. Um, and they were saying that the patient was combative. So we didn't know if he had woken up after they recovered him and he was combative or he was combative prior to them recovering him from the ocean. So that was kind of yeah. like, okay, interesting. Like, you know, red flag number one. Popped yeah, for up, sure. Right. No big deal. Yeah. Anyways, some more thunderstorm dodging. <laughs> um, and then, so we arrive on scene and I, you know, uh, we arrive on scene and it's a snapper boat. And I don't know if um, those are familiar with a snapper boat. Imagine a pickup truck, right? So he got the um, kind of the, uh, the, the cockpit up front, you know, where they're driving the boat and then off back you know, is super open. Yep. But of course there's a massive awning over the back. Of course there is. Yeah. And a very short bow and then a massive whip antenna. Okay. And to make matters even worse, it was about, it was about four to eight foot swells. There was storms pumping through and they were at anchor. So the bow was, you know, diving into the waves and you know, it was, it was not a stable hoisting platform. Um, we tried to deliver the swimmer to the bow of the boat. 
and was like, yeah, it's probably not working. So we talked to our swimmer, Mark Hansen. Right. And, and he was like, yeah, you know, just put me in the water. And I was like, awesome. Yeah. Great. We'll put him in the water at this point. So um, was it hard to get him down because like you just simply didn't have a reference? There was, there was, a, there was a decent amount of reference. It was the size of the boat, the covering on the back. Right. And, and just the way it was riding in the water. Okay. Yeah. And the, where the wind was, you know, put it at an awkward spot. So when you got over the boat, you're pretty much lost target the entire time. Yeah. That were makes you it in hard. a Delta or Echo at this time? We were in a Delta. Okay. Right, Nate? Yeah, it was a Delta. And to be fair for all you listeners that are, uh, you know, not Southeast Coast based, like uh, four to eight foot, you know, for us out there in the Southeast, it's, that's pretty that's big. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. probably it was, it was RT2 or RT4 out in the uh, yeah, was, Pacific Northwest. Right? It was definitely yeah. at like West Coast base. four to five seconds too for the period. So it was yeah. definitely pretty short and confused. Um, so we put Mark in the water, right? No big deal. We're chat with the boat, um, you know, and, you know, I was like, all right, you know, hey, keep your wits about you when you get on board. Yeah, yeah And, I, you know, you don't need to tell the swimmer this. They're, they're always thinking that as well. Um, for sure. So he... He got in, he motored over to the boat and then, um, he, uh, got on board and, uh, because the swimmers have great radios, we couldn't hear him because it, they were just loud. So anyway, so he actually, um, so where the, uh, patient was, was in the cabin, in the forward cabin and he used channel 16. Um, so we could hear him as clear as day. Okay. And, uh, I think this, this is, uh, Nate, correct me if I'm wrong, but when Mark initially got on the boat and got the story from them, he said that not only was he hogtied, the patient was hogtied with fishing wire with hooks embedded in his skin, but oh my gosh. that he held the crew at gunpoint prior to being hogtied and these mysterious wound on his head appearing somehow. Come on. Nate, so is that, is that what you remember? Yeah, I, I think, I think we kind of got initial, some kind of initial, whenever we were, we were in route, like when we had already talked to the captain of the boat, you know, over channel 16, kind of getting their plan up. We were kind of in route to him. I think, I think sector called us up or something, didn't they? They called us up and told us that a NOAA boat had been in contact with this captain through like a cell phone or sat phone yeah. or something. Yep. And Noah, the Noah boat called the Coast Guard and told them, "Hey, this guy that they're trying to pick up has, you know, was actually threatened with weapons." And Sector kind of told us they didn't know about us picking him up or something. So, like, you know, they were already kind of, um, you know, wondering if we should even go do the force. Yeah, the force okay. yeah, that's right. Yep. yep. So that was Sector that was like, "Hey." Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, they were, yeah, they pushing were pushing forward at that point once they learned that maybe there was some violence on board. Yeah, I think, I think the initial combative report, they were like, well, if you think, you know, well, and we, you know, we, we were talking and trying to get uh, information relayed from the flight surgeon. Like, yeah, hey, for like, sure. You know, we don't know, you know, you come, the flight surgeon, it comes from the, the recommendation from them. Yep, for sure. And, um, and we didn't know if he was combative just because, you know, he came to and like, because he was like, they did right. CPR on him and stuff. And, you know, just from waking up from being unconscious. And that's what I was thinking too, Nate, right? Like initial thoughts, like from a medical standpoint, Mm -hmm. it's like somebody who loses consciousness and then you bring them back, like there could be confusion, right? Yep. They are very, yeah. Just a background folks, Nate Gallagher is uh, quite the EMT itself. It's an interesting um, that we just talked about this with the Miami crew. Nate actually is an EMT as well, aren't you, Nate? Uh, Yeah, I was previously EMT. I'm not current, but um, that's what I did prior to going to the military. Yeah, nice. That's co-pilot ever. Yeah, that's a great background to have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so, right. So, uh, you know, decision gate number one, right? Do we put the swimmer down, right? So initial reports, you think, you know, gentleman in and out of consciousness, you know, 
flight surgeon recommendation for medical medical evacuation. Real possible. Quick, not to interrupt you, but that they said initially it was for an overdose. Yeah, it was. It was again. Well, so yeah, you go ahead and compound me. that with like. You know. I don't like. I don't think. I don't. We really think we found out that it was an overdose. Okay. Until after the swimmer was on board the boat. Gotcha. But yeah. I, th- I think it's because like you know they were the, you could tell like the fishing captain was pretty sporadic in the information he was seeing sector because they wanted us to come out. Yeah, yeah. and but I I, I, I think I, I think the thing we had is that he got hit in the head by like, a tackle on the boat or something. I do and think that he fell in the water. From I something. I do think there was an initial report of drugs. I do remember that. Was there? Yeah, there was an initial yeah, report of some dr- was, drug use. Yeah. And, so, anyways, again, a lot of sporadic information mm-hmm. at different points of. Prior, like prior to launching, yeah, you so, for sure. And you know what? Like getting getting all that different information, you're you can almost kind of feel like, hey, there's something strange going on yeah, here. 100%. Like, is this a, a clear cut medevac where right. this person just needs to be brought off, or are they starting to make stories right. in order to get the Coast Guard involved to get this patient removed from this boat because they don't want to deal with it? Right. Yeah, right. So that happens sometimes yeah. too, right? Yeah. yeah. And so I get, I, I get it from their end, but yeah, exactly. So Mark's on the boat and this is the first time we heard about an actual like gun when Mark was talking about them, you know, on, on 16, he was like, Hey, uh, this individual held them at gunpoint. We don't know at what point when. So right. Decision gate number two, like, well, what do we start doing with this patient? So kind of where our heads were that Nate and I were talking in the helicopter, like, all right, let's say knock about it. How do we get this guy into the water and into the helicopter? Because we're probably not going to be able to scoop him up from the bow or any port of the boat because there's just nowhere to hoist from this That's vessel. That's a great point. Right. And the boat's moving like crazy. So, all right, we got to get him in the water. Well, that's going to be hard because he's hogtied. Okay, so now we got to untie him and put him in the water. Well, now is he going to be combative again? He was combative, right. Yeah. Just a peek behind the curtain because I think it's important to mention moving forward as we tell the story, we elected not to take him. We departed scene without taking the survivor. Okay. And that was not an easy decision and we definitely milled it over a bunch. But yep. I think what it came down to is the fact that we'd have to remove whatever restraints the crew put on to get him in the water safely because you're not going to put anybody tied up in the water. That is probably not a great idea who's in and out of consciousness. So we thought, you know, if we're going to untie the guy, put him in the water and put him in our little French helicopter, like, <laughs> that's probably not a great idea. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think Nate and I probably talked it back and forth for a good like, yeah. five minutes. And we, we did take the litter with us initially. Yeah. I believe that we maxed, we, we did have litter. That's right. There was just, we just, there was no way we would be able to get the litter on board because just how the railing was and the awning and there just wasn't a way we could get him on the litter in the um, aircraft. Yeah. So, we kind of took that option out of the table and it was only going to be a basket of water. Yeah, no kidding. Some light in the water. I think that's probably a good call too because then if, if you guys did elect to use the litter, then it's like, okay, now you're asking your rescue swimmer to untie this dude, bring him into the water, package him up in the water yeah. with the hopes of him not being combative, which is not a guarantee. Or panicking. Right? Yeah, exactly. Now, once you get him in the litter, that's like a straight jacket, right? Like that's, that's a great device right. to keep somebody down. Um, you know, I don't want that to sound like strange or anything no. like that. But it's like a, if somebody's combative, like a, lit, a litter is good. Yeah. Keep your hands down and but you're they, completely tied down. But they don't need, but they can't be combative between the time you untie exactly. them and put them in the litter. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a tricky one, man. So you guys, um, and, sorry, go ahead, Nate. And remember, he still had fish hooks like all in his skin and stuff. Yeah, like, he was, like, oh, that's like, crazy. Fish and tackle had got, you know, cause like, you know, we were kind of worried about him. If we put him in the water with all these open wounds and start bleeding all right. over the place yeah. in the water. 
Yeah, now, now the shark's, shark's coming. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Yeah, definitely a tussle ensued on the boat. Um, but another thing immediately after, you know, actually this is going through my mind the whole time. Like Mark Hansen, our rescue swimmer, is on the boat with not only a weapon, right, but combative crew. And immediately like red flags, red lights, sirens are going off in my head. So we talked, I can't remember if it was Nate or I, but we were like, okay, hey, Mark, why don't you, uh, why don't you get back in the water? We'll recover you. And then we'll discuss how we're going to get the patient off the boat. Because I didn't, because I remember he's in the front of the boat talking on the radio. Yep. And I didn't want to be like, because the captain, remember this, Nate, too, because the captain was adamant that we get that guy off the boat. Sure, he was. Yeah, he wanted him off. He wanted him off the boat. And so I was, I was, uh, I was very careful on alluding to like our actual plan until Mark was in a safe, safe spot. That was a good move. So, and it was like, hey, man, go ahead and slip in the water. We're going to get you and uh, we're going to chat. We're going to chat about how we're going to get this guy off the boat. And then we recovered Mark and then we're like, oh, hey, you know, we're not going to do this. We're not going to pull your guy off. There's nowhere to hoist. And then also credit to Mark too. He, you know, and, and this is, again, you're relying on your, your qualified crew member to make this decision. He was conscious um, and he didn't look like he was going to, you know, pass away in the next three or four hours. Yeah. So station um, ended up embarking. Did they embark EMTs, Nate? Do you, do you remember? They did. And they, they, they embarked as a com- combat EMT. Yes. Combat so they, EMTs. They heard the sector, he's like, yeah, they, they went out there. The EMTs had body armor and stuff too, along with all the boat crew and stuff, went yeah. out there to uh, meet him. And the other thing, Max, too, like, you know, we had got the initial full report, but this captain was seeming towards Charleston. Yes. We oh, that's meeting, another you know, thing. Inshore. But we got out there. He was still angry. Yeah, Sector was very adamant that the captain was was making way towards shore. Yeah, and we roll up, and he's anchored in you know 100 feet of water. So yeah. that was a weird case, man. And Dude. it was like you know none of us felt good about leaving him. Right. But at the same time, you know we didn't see a practical way to put him in the helicopter. Yeah. So um, you could talk talk about basically warranted risk at this point, right? So. What, what are we doing as a crew here? We have a couple different categories of warranted risk, right? National defense, saving a human life, um, relieving pain or suffering, um, and, and, and saving property, right? So like this almost sounds like it could be under the category of relieving pain and suffering for the individual. Um, maybe the crew members too, right? Because this guy's creating havoc aboard the boat. Um, we can risk damage to the aircraft, which is... Okay, whatever, right? Whatever that means. Um, should, normal case shouldn't have right. to, you know, damage the aircraft for pulling a survivor up. But the big thing there is like the safety of the crew members, oh, right? And that's yeah. the big consideration right. when you're talking about warranted risk. Like, is it worth it to bring this dude who's combative into an aircraft with the crew members and risk the safety of right, them, yeah. right? And the aircraft too. Um, cause who knows what he's going to do, especially yeah. if he's not strapped down a litter. Yeah. Um, he gets past yeah. the flight mech and just and, starts. Well, you gotta exactly. think you're going to pull him in the helicopter. Pilots. Flight mech's going to be looking outside the door, you know, right seat pilots can be looking outside the right side of the helicopter and safety pilots can be looking inside like homies back yep. there being able to do whatever he wants. So yeah, exactly. I think that's great, man. I, that's a great call. And, and, uh, I probably almost want to give a little shout out to probably Sector Charleston. Is that who you're oh, working they, with? They did a great job. Because it almost sounded like they were 
they had your back, right? Yep. And they were like, hey, you know what? Actually, mm, something's up here. Like, they were, it sounded like once they, yep. of course, Sector's going to feed you that the information that they get. And that's why you're getting sporadic information, yep. right? That's normal. They're going to give you the information that they have. But once they had that, like, information of, like, hey, there might be some violence on board this boat. Sounded like they yeah. they had your back and they're giving you that good right. information to help you make good decisions. And and I believe it was you, Nate. You pretty much said once we started getting a little more information, you said, "Hey, let's start exploring other options." While we were on our way, yeah. which was which yeah. was huge. And 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 it wasn't like we pulled away from the boat and they're like, "Okay, we're gonna get a crew together from Sector Charleston to go launch out." It was like already in route. Yeah, already in route. Yeah. And it was like it was great. It was you know. I mean that, you know, we, we did feel pretty cruddy. I'm not going to lie. Pulling away from that mm-hmm. boat without, without having the gentleman, cause like, you know, we don't want to ever say no. Cool. For sure. Yeah. That's what, that's you know, that's what that. our job is. And, and the hardest part, and I think we've talked about this before, but like once you have the mindset of, Hey, we're launching on this case as a crew, you want to accomplish the mission. You don't want to turn back and, yeah. and not bring back the survivor especially, or the patient or whatever it is. Especially going offshore at night, dodging thunderstorms. Yeah, you, exactly. you, work, you work so hard with the crew to get out there and affect the rescue. I, it was yeah. tough. It was yeah. tough. And, uh, you know, it, it, you know, it still is interesting. I, I know, I know. And, you know, credit again, credit to Mark Hansen. He was like, you know, he's, he was beating himself up too. And it was, you know, it's not, there's not so great. many layers to this. Like, um, you know, the fact that, or, you know, them talking about him holding the crew at gunpoint, like, all the layers of like, we don't expect to go out on that. We, I think we sometimes have a pure sense of what we're responding to in SAR. Um, hell, from the beginning, like you don't even know if that could have been him that put out the call if he's holding the crew at gunpoint and we put a swimmer down and suddenly like the swimmer's facing a dude at gunpoint. Yeah, that's good. That changed the situation. Absolutely. Like, but that's not like, we don't think about that, nor, nor should we. But um, in that case, like I could see why the, the captain and crew wanted to get rid of him, but they probably don't realize that, hey, we... This isn't like, you know, a flying like brig that we could just throw a guy in the back and restrain them. Like, you know, the complications of like you talked about with like the sea state getting him in there because we're not just going to take a dude tied up, throw him in the water and recover him. Um, yeah. Yeah. Kudos and, to you guys for having to make yep. that. I mean, I think it was a mature decision, like hard one uh, to walk away from. But turns out Station Charles recovered him. They brought him back. Yeah. Um, you know, was released from the hospital three hours later. And then was a uh, was arrested the next day for discharging a firearm in the middle of a river, you know, at boaters as they no pass by. No kidding, yeah. shocking. Yeah, wild Didn't man. Didn't see that yeah. coming. <laughs> so, so, and you know, we, you know, obviously, like we followed up because we wanted to make sure he was, we was, you know, okay. And yeah, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm still glad he was okay, but you know, you don't know who you're bringing in the back of a helicopter. We let the injury mask a lot of that for us. So yeah. Yeah, I thought you guys did a great job, man. Uh, thanks for sharing this, the the uh, medevac case, uh, Nate G. Thanks for coming on too, man. It was, it was great hearing. Yeah, no problem. Enjoyed it. Hearing your side from it, and, and uh, great idea talking about something like this because, again, it's one of those unique cases where, you know, we don't expect like a combative patient, and uh, from time to time it does happen, but um, it's kind of cool to kind of refresh our memories that hey, this indeed could happen to us. Um, yeah, just take, take a minute. Think about who you're bringing in your helicopter. Yeah, for That's sure. kind of what I learned from that. For sure. And then any aircraft commander board I give will have that scenario. I know, right? So, <laughs> foot stomp. I'll be ready. Awesome, Nate. All right, y'all, have, y'all have a great day. See y'all. Hey, See you, man. Man. See ya. 
Flight Suit Friday listeners. I really appreciate you tuning in this week to listen to um, some of our highlights, news, and of course, uh, SAR case of the week. Um, just a recap, we touched on uh, Max Cherno's uh, first AC SAR case where him and Nate Gallagher, the co-pilot, basically shared a story where they had a combative um, patient who ultimately wasn't rescued. Um, also kind of hit on uh, Miami's recent SAR case, which was awesome. We really, really want to get the crew from Miami yes. out here. Yes, absolutely. Um, just so we can chat about that SAR case, like, you know, on a little deeper level and get some of like the big decision gates with fuel and yep. weather and distance and all that kind of stuff. But for anybody else out there listening, please uh, hit us up. Um, you can email myself, Nick Litchfield, uh, Rob Minio, Max Cherno, uh, our executive director, Ryan Vandehei, or man. Miranda uh, Fay. Um, also, you can find our podcast on Instagram with some highlights and some cool pictures, uh, Flight Suit Friday. And you can also drop in a direct message in there if you have anything interesting to share. Keep enjoying your summer. Stay safe out there. If you're PCSing, best of luck to you with movers and you know checking in, checking out of places. Other than that, hope you're enjoying maybe some Mallorca days off and gearing up for uh, use those Coast Guard Day coming up here. Use those. Dude, we can August. have a whole podcast about Mallorca days. Yeah, what what a yeah. treat! Oh, oh, just thank you. It Shout out. Come on. Yeah. If yeah. you guys don't know what Mallorca days are, talk to your admin folks. Figure out what they are. Some DHS no charge. Come leave on. There. So yeah. sweet. I've taken yeah. two Mallorca days yeah. so far. They're great. So, They're a little sweeter, aren't they? They hit different. They hit different. <laughs> they they for sure. Especially when you have leave, you have to burn down as well. You're just like, it's, yeah. It's almost like, well, mom said I couldn't take leave, but dad yeah. says I can take a Mallorca day. <laughs> you know, turn that holiday weekend into a holiday week. There you go. Some Mallorca. I think, we can. I think they're good for two years, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, we, we won't get into the details yeah. of that. Anyways. Okay. Anywho. Um, appreciate it, guys. This is awesome. We'll see you all back in two weeks. We say goodbye.